I'm Brandon Perkins. I'm Chris Logi. And I'm Lee Lamb. What can you really say this week? Um, Blizzard. Other than the world is a fuck. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of really fucked shit going on right now. And, and most uh, of it involving Blizzard. Yeah, well, Blizzard, those, they've dug a hole for themselves. We'll, we'll get into that in a moment mm-hmm. in more formal terms. But uh, before we get there, let's at least try to have some normalcy this week and uh, talk a little bit about what we've been uh, playing. Uh, so it's been a lot of the same for me. Uh, I've been doing a lot of emulation stuff. Uh, I've been playing some Dreamcast stuff on Redream. Uh, I like that emulator. Uh, I might have to try the uh, the new Flycast core in uh, RetroArch, because apparently that also supports Naomi, so that might be good to get into. Uh, so there's that. And, uh, of course, PC Building Simulator, where I had to upgrade Santa Claus's computer, which was a very strange thing to do. Because basically, it was I had to just gut the whole thing. He he couldn't play the game he wanted to play. Man, Santa Claus's computer must have so much porn in it. <laughs> uh, possibly, <laughs> uh, I didn't get to see because all his files were locked. So, I mean, t- seriously, think about it. He only works like one day out of the year, and otherwise, he's stuck up in the fucking North Pole. What else is he gonna do? Yeah, it's, it's not like you know, the, the elves are gonna be very helpful. So. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so, and that's a whole other tangent. We're just gonna completely walk past. Move yep. on. <laughs> Moving right along to what you've been playing, Brendan. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, well, I finished Control, and I do heartily recommend that game. Uh, despite you know some of the technical issues it still has to deal with. Um. So I needed to deal with my backup. You know my my backlog. And so I went to uh, GameStop Thursday, and it got me the uh, Game of the Year edition of Marvel Spider-Man, you know, by Insomniac. Nice. Oh, yeah. It's and, so uh, Yeah, and hey, Lee, you were right. It is a pretty much almost a clone of the Arkham games. It really is. And not very, it was really annoying to me reading all the reviews because nobody mentioned that. Well, you know what? Uh, you're right. Uh, well, I will say for one thing is that, you know, uh, as far as, like, tone-wise, it's very different from the Arkham games because it's, you know, a lot more, I guess, upbeat, I guess. Because, you know, he's not yeah. dark and brooding like, you know, Bruce Wayne. No, it's Peter Parker. He's wisecrackers, quipping, you know. Completely different character. Yeah, uh, but structurally, Phil, it's the exact same. Yeah, but then Phil pointed something out to me uh, Friday when we were doing Let's Weekend. And is it possible that this is just the way that you can effectively do a superhero game? Hmm. I think that was Pat, but yeah. Well, that was probably Pat. It might be. Let me put it this way, okay? Like, you're a longtime Batman fan. And think of all, the, yeah. But uh, think of all the Batman games we had up to Arkham, and you realize they're basically just versions of other games, but with Batman slapped on it. Yeah. Like think about it, okay? Like the like the the Batman game for the NES. It was just a Ninja Gaiden clone, right? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, or the uh, you know, the other ones. It was like a beat 'em up. Or it was like a 2D platformer, or, you know, it was that god-awful abortion that was Batman Forever. I mean, 
there may be something to that. I, I would hope that the market's not cornered on that. I mean, I think the okay. So for a couple of things, first of all, like I personally, out of all the Arkham games, I like the structure of Asylum the most. Yeah, because it's fixed. It's not open world, and, and, and I think it's much more like Metroid um, than mm-hmm. Arkham Knight or, or uh, um, Arkham City were. So. I mean, I don't know. Pat might be onto something with that, but I, I think you can also be a lot more. I, I do think there's a lot. Like, if, if you're if you're talking in terms of like open world, then that that's definitely the framework. But I think that you could definitely do a lot um, to differentiate depending on the on the character that you're dealing with. Like, for instance, like, and I'm sure you experienced this, Brandon. I don't know how far you are in the game, but you've run into stealth missions, right? Yep. They're they're horrible, and they're horrible because they don't make sense with Spider-Man. Like some of the, there's one later in the game that's executed really well. Um, and I feel like it's the only time they really go out of their comfort zone of copying Arkham Asylum or excuse me, Arkham, uh, Arkham city. And I felt like that was a, a kind of like a, a really brilliant moment. Um, and then there are other sections that really play up to the way Spider-Man works, crawling on walls, doing all that. I think if, in the next game, if they focus more on that, then it'll be a lot more exciting. Um, but yeah. what happens is at the end too, is that it just, you, you end up just fighting the same type of goons, just more powered up. So yeah. the open world stuff ends up really kind of becoming grating. Um, and I, I mean, I platinum the game, so I mean, I, I, I did everything. Maybe, maybe it's not as grating for people that didn't, but it's still a fantastic game. Oh yeah. It's, uh, I, I'm, yeah, like time slips by really quickly when you're playing that game. Yeah, because, and it, uh, it, it's definitely made by people that that love Spider-Man. Like, have you actually um have you gone looking for uh, uh like it's just like doing any of the photo missions where you got to take pictures of stuff like the riddle stuff? Yeah, like like have you been to um Uncle Ben's grave? Uh, not yet. Yeah, um, so there. Well, you'll you'll get to it eventually if you start following around pictures and like there's just a really little touching thing that happens. It really hit home for me because. I played this after my, my mom died and um, you just go to the grave and it's just a, a night. It's just a little flourish. And, and uh, if you go in, if you go in first person mode and look at the grave, Peter goes, hi, uncle Ben, miss you always. And it's, it's not like sad or it's just, you know, it's, this is, he's gone. You know, this is the reality of, of what I'm dealing with. And, and there's a lot of little things in the game like that that you can really pick up if you're a Spider-Man fan. And, and again, oh, yeah. but that's the exact same thing that Arkham Asylum did. So I'm not I'm not faulting him for that, but I just really hope in the next game they can focus more yeah, on, uh, just, on what it's just, I'm thinking maybe just the reason I bring it up is that, like Pat said, maybe that's just, just the most effective way to do a superhero game. It could be. Hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that because that – there could be something to that, like realistically, like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's actually shit, and I got to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that's what I've been playing. So, Chris, what about you? Oh, uh, yeah. So, I have been playing uh, some more Concrete Genie, uh, getting to the next area there, uh, and still really liking it. I think it's a, it's a really fun game. Uh, especially just the the creative aspect of it, uh, where you're kind of uh, designing all these, uh, or just painting all over these walls uh, and kind of bringing some life to these uh, kind of desecrated areas. That story-wise, it's pretty interesting in that the uh, 
the town has been abandoned due to some ecolog- ecological issues. I think uh, there's like an oil spill that happens, uh, and that's like driven businesses away and all the all the townspeople. And so they get uh, and what ends up happening is just like delinquent kids ends up taking over the town of uh, Denska is what they call it. And so yeah, you're kind of a kid who's also hanging out there. Uh, more of the uh, nerdy loner who gets bullied uh, and kind of get the this eventually get this ability to uh, paint up these walls with the magical uh, paintbrush. And there are instances when you go into the next area where you run into those bullies again, and one of them managed to grab the the brush at the same time as you, and you kind of get this little backstory of each of them and find out, yeah, they're kind of shitty bullies because of you know terrible home situations and all that sort of stuff, which doesn't really excuse what they're doing, but it kind of makes uh, the main character kind of understand better what, what they've gone through, that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, kind of the creative part of it's actually pretty cool as the genies kind of make requests of you to, you know, put stuff uh, up for them, specific kinds of uh, art and wherever they're at, and they'll fill up your uh, special meter that then lets you uh, break through some of the corrupted uh, stuff that is uh, around the town and on the buildings, that sort of stuff. And yeah, it it just works really well. It Looks really nice. It's kind of just a a fun, pleasant game that uh, has been nice to play this week. Uh, the other game I've been playing is Asphalt Nine Legends, which is on the Switch now as of this week. Uh, is the kind of the one of the more notable, like realistic-ish racing games. It's not really realistic. It's more of an arcade game in the way it works, but uh, it has the real cars in it, and they look they look good. They don't look great or anything. Uh, and that game very much has all the mobile kind of bullshit you expect. Uh, with lots of grinding, lots of microtransactions and card packs, which is how you get uh, blueprints to unlock cars or upgrade them, that sort of stuff. Uh, but the the, comp, the content in it, as far as like the, the career mode races, the, the multiplayer, the daily dailies and the quick races uh, all work really well. Um, and they kind of alleviate some of the issues where uh, each of the cars has a gas tank, essentially, that lets you do six races before uh, you have to refill it, which just means you can't use it for five minutes, uh, which isn't really an issue uh, for, t- uh, for too long, because a lot of, if you just play through the career mode, uh, when you level up your account or just as a bonus for some getting to some of the missions, uh, you'll get a, a thing that will just refill all your gas tanks for your cars. So it kind of does a lot to kind of alleviate the typical uh, kind of uh, time limit stuff that a lot of mobile games do. But uh, yeah, it works pretty well. The multiplayer was uh, pretty good. Uh, that was what we streamed yesterday and had the first time I had to ban somebody from chat. Uh, Somebody just being real shitty, uh, which is weird trying to figure out how to do it. Because uh, weird thing with uh, Twitch is when you have it, uh, the way I typically have it is I have it kind of split screened on my uh, one monitor, uh, and a lot of Twitch menus break in that mode for whatever reason. Uh, it's real hard to manage that stuff. But yeah, that uh, 
as we were, but we played some multiplayer with some people in the chat, uh, which meant they had to join the club I had. And then we did some, you can do races with uh, people in your club uh, by just kind of setting up uh, a game for people to join, uh, which worked pretty well. Uh, some of the web code's not great because we both got disqualified from one race for no reason. So I ended up hosting uh, some more and won a couple of them, lost a couple. But yeah, it's it's a pretty good racing game, uh, arcade racing game. Uh, a lot of uh, ridiculous stuff in it, like uh, there are these ramps that kind of set you up for doing a barrel roll with your car. Uh, some of that. And there's a bunch of uh, boost stuff to get. Uh, some of the, the courses have like disasters going on, so like tornadoes or uh, twisters and water spouts stuff that's like destroying part of the track or there's one that's set up in the Himalayas where the there's like a uh, kind of a landslide happening that just shifts this part of the track up to where you're at that's kind of crazy when it's happening it's all so there's like a lot of weird stuff with that but it's a pretty cool game and it's free to play so you can kind of check it out without having to spend any money up front just definitely uh, if you can't avoid spending money uh, in any way because it's it also kind of throws some of the, the premium currency at you just for doing pretty much everything. So it kind of can work your way through the game without necessarily having to uh, spend any money. Uh, if you can hold on on that, uh, you just end up having to do a lot of grinding. So outside of that, it works pretty well. Uh, the other game I'm playing is Anodyne uh, on the Switch, which is 99 cents right now. And that is a game that is very much like the... Like the old Zelda games, as far as like these puzzle uh, action adventure games, where you're kind of going around figuring out puzzles, how to get past these obstacles and such, but it doesn't have that kind of style to it at all. Uh, it very much looks like uh, a completely different game. Like your character doesn't look anything like uh, an actual hero, just kind of has like a, a jacket on and such, and he's just going around using a broom to attack enemies. Uh, and you kind of use that broom also to pick up dust for uh, purposes of like blocking shots or where I'm at. You can use it to put this like dust pile on the on the water and just get around that way. Uh, some stuff like that. The Switch version has some weird tech issues where when you move uh, transition between screens, the frame rate just drops a lot. It just all of a sudden runs real shit while it transitions over to the next screen. Uh, small stuff like that where it's not really going to affect anything, but it just looks real weird compared to uh, how it plays on PS4 and PC from what I've seen. Uh, but otherwise, for 99 cents, it's uh, a really good game. Uh, and hopefully they get that sequel onto consoles because that, that looks really good. The, the sequel kind of has a PS1 style of 3D look to it. Uh, and it also is a just as weird as this game is uh, story-wise and all that. So, uh, yeah, that's been kind of what I've been playing. And for the stream tonight, we're going to be playing Children of Morta, which is a new game published by 11-Bit Studios, uh, makers of uh, Frostpunk and This War of Mine. Uh, that's coming out on consoles on the 16th, I think, 16th or 15th, somewhere this week. But, yeah, that, uh, I'm looking forward to checking that out and doing the stream. How about you, Lee? Um, I actually haven't really had time for shit this week. It's been uh, 
absolutely insane at work. Um, so the really the only thing I've been able to do is steal a little bit of time with Dragon Quest uh, Eight, just when I have a few minutes, and uh, still just enjoying the ever living shit out of that game. I did, like I said on the, on the last time we were on the podcast, I do have my 3DS modded. So I have the orchestral soundtrack, which I think just makes a, a huge difference. And, and I, I haven't played this game since the PS2, and I never did finish it. I got real close to the end, and then my PS2 died, and I never went back to it. And uh, I just I just forgot how just relaxed everything is. It's actually really nice to play. I typically play it for you know half an hour before I go to bed, and it's just it's a great fucking way to unwind. Most. Most games, for the most part, tend to kind of get me amped. Um, even other Dragon Quest games, and there's just something about this one, like going out to the field, the music is so relaxed and everything else like that, where I'm just like, eh, this is all right. And uh, i just just been enjoying the hell out of it. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing about, uh, about good old Blizzard as far as the games that we play, because, you know, my wife's still playing WoW, and I'm still, I still definitely want to play it with her. Um, definitely not playing Hearthstone, or Hearthstone, because um, I think what they did is really fucking shitty, which I'm sure we're going to, we're going to jump into here in a minute. But, uh, no, like I said, I just haven't had a, haven't had a chance to play much. I'm, it's ironic, I have so little time, and now, like, the next, like, four or five big games that I want to play are all RPGs, so... Not sure I'm going to work that out, but I'll, I'll figure it out. The Switch will help, because most of them are going to be on that. So, but yeah, no, that's it. Blizzard. Um, they had a Hearthstone Grand National, uh, well, Grand Masters Tournament uh, this weekend. And uh, the champion of which decided, well, uh, through a little bit of coaxing from the Jodcasters as well, because they seem to have uh-huh. been in on it. Uh, to uh, show his support for the protests in Hong Kong. Yeah. And two days later, uh, Blizzard decided to basically just, yeah, just <laughs> uh, ban him, uh, take away his winnings. Although they he, they gave him they gave that back. Uh, so he's got a instead of a like one year ban, he's got a six month ban. And, yeah. yeah. So should I? Uh, I kind of already did this on Let's Weekend, but should I sort of briefly? Uh, describe what's going on between China and Hong Kong right now. Yeah, there's that would help with the context. Okay, so everybody here knows. I get well. I guess most people know that up until about twenty or so years ago, Hong Kong was a British colony. Right. Okay, uh, and then around 1997, 1998, they decided the the UK finally handed it over back to China. Now, since then. Uh, Hong Kong and China have operated under a system they call one country, two systems, uh, which means that the mainland of China is still uh, run largely as a Marxist-Leninist state, you know, headed by the Communist Party of China, and Hong Kong is more or less an autonomous protectorate that can uh, essentially run ways as you know, on the surface, as they seem fit. Now, the thing is, for about 20 years or so, a lot of people in Hong Kong have been feeling that uh, the mainland has been slowly encroaching on their autonomy. And that's not entirely without reason. Um, For one thing, although the Communist Party of China doesn't actually run Hong Kong, 
The ruling parties there basically go with whatever the Communist Party of China uh, is telling them. Um, in fact, the you know it's even from the person, sort of one of the people here who kind of got was kind of in the center of all this mess starting in the first place, was specifically doing this at the behest of the Communist Party of China. Now, there have also been stories that have been running around for years, like the disappearing booksellers who supposedly uh, sold uh, literature at their various stores that were critical in some way of the Communist Party of China or of Mao Zedong or Xi Jinping, mostly Xi Jinping. Um and they're just suddenly disappearing off the face of the earth. Um, but what finally brought all of this to the head was a extradition uh, bill that was going to go into effect. Um, and sort of the basic reason, sort of the central figure of this extradition bill was a guy who basically killed his girlfriend in, I think it was in Beijing, and then he skipped to Hong Kong in order to avoid getting arrested. Um, but the, the, the fear amongst a lot of the populace was that this rule, this new bill, if it go into effect, could be used to uh, um, basically extradite people out of Hong Kong for political or ideological reasons. Now, the actual law that was written in the bill actually exclusively says that this is not the purpose. But for what it, the thing is, this was sort of like the final straw that broke the camel's back. And pretty much since then, Hong Kong has been on fire 24-7 since. Yeah. Um, now, I have actually talked to... Uh, one or two people who are actually in Hong Kong right now. And the thing you got to know is if you're looking at these Hong Kong protests, you'll notice they're largely sort of liberal or right-wing in character. Like There's a lot of like British and American and, uh, you know, um, you know, like the Hong Kong colonial flags being flown. Now there actually are uh, left-wing uh, groups and individuals who are involved with the protest, and you'll see them with the red flags. They're carrying around the portraits of Mao. They're singing the international, and you know they're openly fighting against the PRC's encroachment on Hong Kong. Those guys, however, are largely subsumed by the rest of them because, well, the Communist Party, by playing their hand, have kind of soured a lot of the Hong Kong populace on the subject of left wing politics and socialism. Um, on the other side, basically Beijing has been deciding that they kind of want to try and let this all burn itself out. Um, that's why you haven't seen like members of the People's Liberation Army actually showing up in Hong Kong. It's largely been uh, dealt with by the Hong Kong police. And if the protesters are to be believed, they're being very brutal in this crackdown. Um, and they recently actually shot someone. Um, now, they've been using live ammunition up to that point, but they hadn't actually been using it against anyone. They've been, you know, firing it in the air or on the ground, but it looks like they've actually killed someone with a bullet at this point. Um, and I'm going to be completely honest. The whole thing is really convoluted, and it, 
Yeah, it is completely, as far as I'm concerned, it is completely acceptable to just throw up your hands and hope for the best. Um, but there is one thing we can largely say, and that is a uh, fuck Blizzard for what they did to this dude and how they're basically kowtowing to the bourgeois pretenders in the Communist Party of China. Well, so what I was going to say is, is I think I know, Brandon, it's definitely a very complex and convoluted situation. But I mean, really, the fact of the matter is, unless I have this wrong, a big part of the issue here is that Hong Kong, since it, when it was under British rule, dealt with a democracy. And now yeah. it's not. And, you know, nope. you can't you can't have people. You can't have a society put in that situation where there is freedom. Nope. And then, exactly. and then claw them back into, you know, communism where you, you take a lot of that away. And, you know, yeah. for as, as good a face as China tries to put, you know, uh, out to the world, I mean, they still do a lot of really horrible things. And this is oh, just yeah, one of, of them. You they have, are. Like, look at the shit that's going down in Xinjiang right now with those, quote unquote, vocational camps <laughs> or, you know, the, uh, you know, the fact that. You know, the major, like, business leaders who make up a good chunk of the Communist Party's leadership, uh, they're actively involved in, like, corporate investments and shit in places like Canada that's, like, on, like, oil field shit that's actively affecting, like, First Nations people. Or just, like, the mining comp- Chinese mining companies in Zimbabwe where they've actually shot striking Zimbabwean workers. Yeah. Uh, it's an absolutely fucked situation. And, you know, it's gross. I, I absolutely believe that's true. Yeah, well, and so and that's the thing. that That's part so of... If it sounds like I'm somehow being largely sympathetic to the PRC or the Communist Party of China, I'm not. Um, I'm just, you know, it's just you, you got to sort of get the, all the info out there to try and clear the mystique because, yeah. it, you know, there's real life life and death shit happening in Hong Kong and all the misinformation that goes out there just makes their just makes their case harder to make. So. Yeah, no, and, and I think I think that's the that's sort of the bottom line. Like looking at all of this is um and we'll we'll talk about the blizzard part in a minute is just at, at the the core of this it's about really about human rights, right? Like you yeah. have people that were used to being free and now they're not. That's a that's a problem. That's a problem for a lot of people. So that's what causes these protests and that is what um it kind of has led to this this problem with Blizzard and, frankly, with a lot of other companies. We saw it happen with Apple as well where there was an, an app taken off the App Store that was designed so that the Chinese dissidents could see basically – kind of like how on Waze, you know, on the on the Waze app, you can mark where there's a yeah. traffic jam. Well, they did that and it was – you can mark where there are going to be cops. Yeah. And it was a way for them to avoid the police so, you know, they don't get fucking shot. And – you know, for a, a country like ours where, you know, we've seen police brutality and things like that, ra- like really ratchet up um, mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, and, and here's the thing. I just want to be clear. I have friends that are police officers, and I do believe that the majority of police officers out there do a good job. The problem is, is when one of them does something horrible, it makes all of them look bad. Um, but, you know, we have, you know, we have that case with that woman shot a guy in her own, in his own apartment. I just read something else similar to that. So I think as a, as a society – um, at least any democratic society or just any society in general, I think what, what people are, are, are pushing back against is the idea that the police can't just solve all of their problems or the authorities or the government or whomever can't solve all their problems through violence. And that's kind of like what we're getting at. And so I think particularly now, whether you want to call it woke culture or anything else like that, I think that there is a huge group of people 
because of the way the world is, particularly in gaming, where we're, you know, we're able to play with people across the globe. I think that it's one of the things I wish Pat was here to talk about with me because one of the best things that I ever got out of the fighting game community was being exposed to so many different types of people and so many different cultures. Cause at the end of the day, all that really mattered was how you played. It didn't really matter where you were from. Fuck. It didn't even matter if you were disabled or not. We have a guy that shows up the final round who is severely disabled. He literally comes in on a motorized bed and he'll whoop your ass in street fighter. Like it's amazing. So, you know, you, a lot of those barriers get broken down and, you know, and of course, when you look at a lot of these types of online games, um, particularly the ones made by Blizzard, they're typically dominated by Koreans or Chinese. So the expectation that some of these guys that are that are playing an American game and making money and things like that wouldn't have something to say is is folly. You know, I and just to be clear before I say this, I am absolutely 100 percent on the side of the guy that that, that said what he said. Yeah. But I'm also I also you know one thing that I I, I kind of want to give Blizzard and any company out there for this kind of thing is that you know they're providing a platform for people to stream games and do things like that. And so I can understand why there would be rules about what you can and can't do and what you what you you know what you say and what you can't say. That stuff's important. Um, so with that said, you know Blizzard, I, I took a look at this stuff before after my knee jerk reaction. I'm like, fuck these guys. I took a I took a look at their um, they basically have a charter for for how they deal with online streaming and everything else like that um, as far as anything that they broadcast. And one of the things it says specifically in it is that there can't be any political statements. Now, I think that in and of itself is good. Could you imagine – like think about what we've what we've really sort of experienced in the last couple of years where people that you might have looked up to or people that you might have liked that were making games or, or streamers or something else like that. And then you, know, you find out their politics and you just find out that they're just kind of dirtbags. You know? That – that can not only damage how those people make money, but the companies that also sponsor them. So trying to provide a, a, an environment where political affiliation and thoughts and things like that don't come into play um, when it's around a product, I don't think is a bad thing. Um, but with that said, I also think that what Blizzard did was horrible. And I, and I think it really speaks to, we were talking about this right before the podcast. I think it really speaks to a lack of leadership and a lack of connection uh, to their players, which I think we have we have sort of seen get worse and worse over the years. Um, oh yeah, I mean, know, if if BlizzCon last year didn't show that, like show right. that to the world, then yeah, you I mean, know, this damn share. Well, yeah, these the, the fact of the matter is is that the and the management over at Blizzard. Um, is completely out of touch with their own player base. And I think it also shows that in the way that they reacted to this Hearthstone announcement. And we could go back and we could talk about the Diablo issue last year. We could talk about kind of the way they've sort of run World of Warcraft in the ground, the fact that they abandoned Heroes of the Storm and all of these things. There's a lot of, there's a lot of evidence here that the culture of Activision is completely bled into Blizzard. And... Um, and, you know, frankly, you wouldn't have seen any of this happen under Mike Moron back when he was CEO. This shit just would not have happened. Um, because the one thing, speaking of BlizzCon, if you guys ever actually watched BlizzCon's opening ceremonies, if you've ever been to one or anything else like that, Blizzard's big thing is we're together. We're a community. We're a family. Um, and what's kind of happened over the last, like, three years is that's been completely ejected hmm. from their corporate culture. Like, Blizzard... 
um, has a statue in their courtyard. And I can't remember the exact quote because I don't have it in front of me, but it's just basically like basically saying like there's room for everybody. Right. Hmm. And apparently some employees at Blizzard's headquarters fucking papered over that. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're just like, you know, what are we what are we doing here? And um, so I, I, I think it's a complex, simple issue in that. To a certain degree, I understand why Blizzard did it because if if they let this guy get away with it, then they're going to have the inverse happen. Like we're, I think a lot of people aren't bothered by it because it's universally easy to hate China and hate what they're doing to Hong Kong, um, and it's very easy to do that from our our basements or our living rooms or our bedrooms or wherever where we're okay. You know, it's really easy to do that kind of thing. Um, but on the other hand, I can also respect any company, regardless of who it is. Basically going, look, we've put money behind this thing. We're giving people money. You know, we're doing all of these things. We don't want our stage to be used for politics because – and the reason that I brought it up, like again, it's real easy to be against China. What if one of these guys got on there and was just like – you know, I'm sure anybody that listens to this show knows we're not fans of the president. What if some guy got on there, let's say won a Hearthstone you know, championship or StarCraft or the, the um, mythic uh, dungeon invitational that they do for World of Warcraft, got on there, and after they win, they were like, yeah, fuck AOC, you know, Trump 2020, MAGA, fuck your feelings, like that kind of thing. Like people would well, be – Or they did something even worse. Like we know the game good candy and know enough. I mean one of those dudes could come up and just straight up go and Heil Hitler. I mean yeah. – Yeah, I mean and, and so – and so again, I can understand because fact, of that. Isn't that kind of the reason why they instituted that rule in the first place? Was yes. as a reaction to all of that shit. Yeah, and so that's the thing. You can kind of understand why they would be like, "We're we just don't want this to happen." Yeah, but I think the other thing is, I think the other thing that's really important, and this will be the last thing I say on it, is that I think it's really important that the punishment also uh, fit the crime. You know, the guy The guy spoke out. He did something against their rules. And what made it so much worse is that for three days, Blizzard sat on it. And just the fervor just built and built and built and built. So when you do finally see the response from people, they're just like, man, that was shitty. Fuck y'all. Like, what a horrible response. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Phil showed us a tweet that was translated that basically – what did it say, Phil? Uh, it basically, the last line boiled down to uh... – we will prote- protect the pride and dignity of China at all cost. Right. Like, wow, that's amazing. Like, and the thing is, is you, you know, we also understand this is about money and I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really against, you know, companies making money, but at the same time, I know in my own personal life, and this is why this is difficult for me because I really got to figure out what I'm going to do. Um, I have really, since I work for a company that cares about people, it has made me really, really, really intolerant of giving money to companies that don't care about people. It's why I, I don't shop at Walmart. Um, you know, and I, I try to avoid a lot of places around here. Like, fuck, we don't even, I live in Atlanta. So, you know, one of the things here that, that and I'm sure it's big everywhere else across the country, but you can, you can find one of these on a, on every corner, the same way you can find a fucking Starbucks is home Depot. Hmm. And we don't go to home Depot. We don't do it. It doesn't happen. We go to Lowe's, and even though Lowe's might I've, – I've heard it from all kinds of people that Lowe's is a shittier Home Depot and all these other things. I don't care, and it's because the the Lowe's guy or the Home Depot uh, founder and, and all the people, a bunch of people on their board donated to Trump, and I can't stand for that. My wife is a minority, and you know the, the president is putting people that look like my wife in cages, and I can't give money to something like that. 
Hmm. Uh, but I also feel that's also, again, a, a sort of a completely different thing. That's, that's me exercising what I want to do, you know, with my own money. And in a certain way, Blizzard is exercising the same thing. And I understand the point. You just don't want to give a political platform to something that might offend people. It's just better to stay out of that fray entirely. But I think the biggest thing that they fucked up on is that after it happened, they just didn't say shit. You know, it's kind of like if, for instance, I, I know all of you guys have been in relationships, relationships before. You call your girlfriend a bitch and then you don't talk to her for three days. It's going to be way worse. Yeah. It's going to be way fucking worse. As opposed to five minutes after going, man, I fucked up. I'm really sorry. Let's figure out a way to work through this. Hmm. You know, and then especially you compare the the the, uh, the announcement and the statement that Jay Allen Brack put out, which was just like, you know, we, we didn't really intend for this to happen. And, you know, we're going to give him back his prize money and all these other things compared to we never want to offend China, which is, the, you know, their Chinese response. It's just like it's just hard. It's hard to separate those two things. Well, it's basically one of those two things is truth and one is an well, not, lie and we don't yeah. know which is which. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, and I think that's for me, at least, that's one of the most disappointing things about this entire ordeal is that I think over the years I've, I've given Blizzard, you know, some leeway simply because I've liked what their corporate culture is. I have, I've had friends that have worked there, you know, they seem to be relatively okay. This to me is really just kind of showing, we've seen the slide over the years, that Blizzard is really not Blizzard anymore. It's just Activision that has Blizzard IPs. Yeah, that's basically what it is. And this this shows that. This this is this is a Bobby Kotick move. Hmm. You know what I mean? That's what this is. This is a Bobby Kotick move. If and again, you would not have seen this. You know, Mike Morheim is the same guy that invites his parents to BlizzCon, for Christ's sake. Mm. You know, you wouldn't have seen this happen under Morheim. But this is the kind of thing where if, if Bobby Kotick was the head of Blizzard, we'd all be like, yeah, I see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in, in a way, he is because he owns he the, the, the yeah. parent company. So. That's really what it comes down to. He absolutely is. And it's just – it's such a fucking shame. Like, to, to, just to have it get to this is dumb. Yeah. It's just dumb. Yeah. So – yeah, before uh, we, we move on, I just you know want to say this is like one of the worst types of situations that uh, that we can get into in the gaming industry. But it also should serve as a wake up call to every single company out there, uh, because okay, if you're gonna serve the Chinese market, that's fine. Uh, but you have to ask yourself the question. Is it is it worth serving the Chinese market if you're going to lose a substantial part of every other market? That's that's what it's going to start boiling down to in the end. Yeah, and I, I think now more than ever, I think the other thing that's really interesting that we're seeing here is that a lot of people are really they're speaking with their dollars. Yeah, you know, and we've out, seen these happen so much. So yeah. the whole their whole account yeah, deletion system is like fell on its yeah, face. It, it acts. Yeah, no, and I think that's something else that's really important now is that you know as as millennials and, and, and folks like that come into the gaming space, these are people – you know, we talk about it all the time. Like I think the last – what was our last podcast called I'll Wait? Yeah. Yeah, like we're in – we have a treasure trove of riches, so to speak, when it comes to games. Yeah. You know, you, this is – whatever your fix is that you need, whatever type of game you want, there's somebody out there that's making something that you can play. Mm-hmm. And – that's the other part I think that sort of makes boycotting some of these groups are you know a lot easier to do because you can just go, 
fuck it, man. I don't need to give you my money. There's five other companies that are going to provide what I need, which is ironic because it's sort of like that's what capitalism is supposed to be. It doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. But when we think about you know the games that are out and, and, and just every everything that we have access to, um, giving up your – I think your Western market and stuff – is it's just a it's just a fucking mistake, and and I think I think as the years go on, I think we're going to see more and more of that because people that are our age and younger are a lot more willing to wade into those waters. I think and go, yeah, I don't need this, I don't want to do this. Of course, I say that. Then there are also plenty of gamers out there to like you know, so and so company sucks, but I'm still going to play their games because I need it or whatever. Yeah, you know, so it it definitely cuts both ways. But I do think more of this type of social activism. Um, I, I think you're just going to see it happen more and more and more because I I would like to hope that sort of the era of a lot of these, whatever the companies may be, just trampling on the people that are there. I think a lot more people are are more socially aware of the thing that's in their hands or the thing that they're they're playing or, or the, the thing that they're eating. All of it has some sort of human cost. It's like um, something green. It's made out of yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, right. Like so whether that is, you know, insane crunch time, you know, whether it is, you know, a company underpaying their employees or whatever the case may be, I think the the social cost of everything that we consume or everything that we enjoy uh is something that that our generation and the generations underneath us are a lot more cognizant of. And so I think as the time goes on, we're going to see a lot more of this and you're going to have to have companies make a stand. Um and, and really just try and figure out like, you know, do we want to keep the folks that we have and keep them happy? Or are we going to chase a market that might not show up and piss off the people that are already here? Um, I, I do think some sort of reckoning is going to be coming at some point. Yeah. So you know, we'll, we'll move on from there because that's a pretty heavy topic to start off the show with, but it, it had to be covered. You know, yeah. I mean, I figure like right after this, we can get into something a lot easier, like, you know, a Middle Eastern exit strategy or, you know, maybe we can talk about a light topic like abortion. <laughs> How about Silent Hill? <laughs> All right, that's that's close enough. Yeah. So, so yep. Konami has announced a brand new Silent Hill game. It's a slot machine. Well, because when I think survival horror, I think slot machines. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm just loving like just how genuine uh, the whole announcement is, and the fact that uh, Konami's not even like trying to hide the fact that it's gambling. It's just yeah, we're making a slot machine. Screw loot but boxes. I, but they have so many different things that would make sense as a slot machine. Why? Like a survival horror game is not what I think of when I'm like, time to line up these sevens. <laughs> I know. Right? I know. But yeah, so that's that happened. Um... See, I think a great slot machine idea would be like co-op games. Like you could have Double Dragon slot machine and team up with the guy next to you and get jackpots together. That'd be cool. Mm. But like, again, like Silent Hill, like, oh, I was going to get some money, but here comes Pyramid Head. <laughs> the lever. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, that's just, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's kind of the slot machine thing these days. Mm-hmm. You get licenses. Yeah. Uh, just... They're all over the place because that's what brings people in. It's like, oh, here's a friend's one. Cool. Mm. Sure. Or, you know, about whatever gamer, movie property, TV property, sports thing, I assume. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of how it is, just like pinball kind of is currently, yeah. for the most part. It's my my big you know issue with this, and that's you know the the issue that pretty much everybody has at this point is uh, uh, the fact that everybody wants an actual Silent Hill game, and then when Konami announces something, it's this. Uh, it's like, yeah, I'm disappointed, 
But I'm also not entirely surprised based on Konami's output yeah. lately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the last uh, actual uh, Silent Hill game they put out was terrible. Yeah, it's like tw- a downpour in like 2012. Yeah, hmm. that was kind of broken. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you're going to the, uh, the amusement uh, show in uh, Las Vegas, uh, you can go see this for yourself and wish you hadn't. So uh, moving on, we'll go to uh, some delays. Uh, Doom related. Yeah, Doom mm-hmm. Eternal and Doom 64 have both been pushed out to uh, 2020. Yeah, March 20th actually. Uh, which, yeah. given the fact that Doom Eternal was supposed to launch on Black Friday, is probably a smart idea. Yeah. Yeah. But also puts it in uh, heavy competition with uh, Animal Crossing. I, I don't think those two audiences overlap. Uh, they're at least going to be on the Switch, both of them. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be uh, interesting competition. Yeah, but I guarantee you the Switch version is not the version that's going to sell the most copies. No, uh, but there's still that audience on Switch. Yeah. That sure. wants to uh, slaughter demons and then uh, go delve into the the delicate uh, capitalism in the uh, island economy yeah. that Tom Nook has set up. Hmm. Or you gotta okay, so build probably, your own shit. Yeah, so it probably does overlap on that particular platform. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but yeah, Doom sixty four is officially coming out on non Switch platforms. Yeah, uh, PC, Xbox One, PS four. Hmm. Uh, same day, and those will be a pre order bonus for Doom Eternal, hmm. so you can get it for free. Right, yeah. uh, which is nice. I might get in on that closer to launch. Um, yeah. yeah. I usually wait until Green Man Gaming like gets uh, gets out in its biggest discount, and then I usually pre-order. Cause yeah. Then I can get a brand new game for less than it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they also said that Invasion Mode is going to be available uh, shortly after launch as an update. Okay. I, so I that might that's... be one of the reasons why they're kind of pushing this out is to get some other stuff done. Yeah, uh, I, I think I, not... I think I heard they were gonna like focus on like actually polishing the single player for this time yeah. around. So, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess the Switch idea. version of those games is not gonna be out that day. So that never mind about the Animal Crossing thing. Hmm. Uh, it'll be Doom on the other consoles and PC versus Animal Crossing on the Switch. Hmm. Which there's a big competition right there. Yeah. <laughs> for which kind of brutality you want? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Capitalist brutality or demonic brutality. Hey, your choice. Mm. But that's that's the great thing about the Switch. You've got that choice. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't have the choice of where to save your game. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could save it to the cloud, but whether you're going to get it back or not. Not for Animal Crossing. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Nintendo decided not to allow that. That would ruin the integrity of Animal Crossing. Uh, yeah, safe's coming. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, they've never had mechanics built into it to discourage people to do that. Mm. Uh, so moving on, a bit of an interesting one here. Uh, $40,000 worth of stuff was stolen from Valve recently. Oh. Uh, see, this was 2018. Mm. Uh, yeah, from their Bellevue headquarters. Uh, I guess that guy also stole a FedEx truck uh, a bit earlier that year. Wow. wow. I was charged. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. That's uh, what they have here. Uh, he was charged, uh, see, September 25th, with one count of burglary and another for the trafficking of stolen property. I like this uh, guy's ambition. It's like, no, I'm not going to steal packages. I'm going to steal the whole fucking truck. 
Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, the guy has to leave the truck at some point to deliver. <laughs> you just got your opportunity there, depending on the store there store or business or home they're going in. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Uh, let's see. They entered, they broke into Lincoln Scores South by entering through a public restaurant and accessed a Valve's 11th floor office on June 17th, 2018 through a non-functioning stairwell door. So he worked for this. Mm. Uh, he reportedly stole more than $42,000 in total from the developer, including 15 Xbox One games, 23 PS4 games, 15 to 20 Asus laptops, uh, some switches and steam steam machines, and a metal minigun-looking thing that he saw Valve CEO Gabe Newell holding in a Forbes magazine feature, <laughs> uh, which they got the link to. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing to steal because that's fucking huge compared to the rest of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Told police, let's see. He told police he got so many items he didn't remember what it all was. Adding that he threw random items into a rolling recycling bin he used to tote the stolen goods out of Valve's 11th floor office. Described as an unfinished floor where stuff is prepared for trade shows and tournaments. Okay, that makes more sense. Or it might not be like a main floor for them where there's a bunch of people there. Mm. But let's see. Uh, He also took gaming memorabilia and archival promotional items too. Uh, He's caught on camera selling the stolen goods to a Bellevue GameStop. (laughs) He sold 40, the 43 games he got for a total of $336. Uh, Good old trade-in value. Yo. So here's the thing. Was he charged for the trade-in value or the actual value? I think they have they have deals going on where you get the same value if you're going to cash out as for credit. Mm. Uh, yeah, so he stored the rest of the equipment in his skillfully packed Geo Prism where the items were found by police. <laughs> Steal the FedEx truck and you drive around in a. Well, this was after the. Yeah. This is before the, the um, FedEx truck. That was in July. This is. Oh June. my god! What a champion! Yeah. Oh my god! That's like the play school coupe. Yeah, he also had drug paraphernalia in his car. Uh, so yeah, uh, he had six active warrants at the same time. Uh, oh, so he was going for five stars. That's that's clearly yeah. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, prosecutor yeah. office told Polygon he's on bench warrant process, meaning he's missed other hearings before. Another warrant will be issued should he miss tomorrow's hearing as as of this week, so probably should have been there. Uh, mm. But yeah. See, Bellevue, let's see. Marines for information, Seattle Police Representatives, now you will slide information about the case. It's a Bellevue crime after all, but said this, if you tell me this has something to do with the guy stealing the only known copy of Half-Life 3, I'm going to cry. <laughs> So the guy knew what's knows what's up when people mention Valve and yeah stuff getting stolen yeah and uh, Half Life Three is never happening, guys. Just I'll just put oh. it. Hey. Can't steal Half Life Three if it doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, well, this uh, I mean I don't even I don't even know what to say to any of this shit. This like is amazing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I'm definitely not endorsing crime, but uh. I mean, this guy saw a fucking, you know, he 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 took a shot. Oh my god, uh, ambitious. That is amazing. Sure. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so another Steam news. Uh, they're going to be rolling out an actually pretty cool feature here. Uh, they're going to be doing a remote play function that's going to allow, well, you, you and your friends to play local multiplayer games on your machine, but across the net. Basically, uh. 
you know, play share for uh, on PS4. Yeah, share, share play. play. Yeah, same uh, kind of thing. Which is a really cool feature of kind of being official, like networking mm. software, just built into the the features of your your uh, platform. Yeah, that is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I, I thought they had this already, but I guess I was wrong. No, they're just starting to expand their remote play stuff because hmm. uh, they're doing that with uh, Steam proper with uh, better remote play for just games playing on other machines. Yeah, that sort of yeah. stuff. But yeah, it's gonna be it's in beta. is launching October twenty first. Hmm. The game offers local multiplayer. We'll be able to plug into an online player too using a Steam overlay. So it's kind of the same limitation as uh, share play, where it's limited to two people. Yeah. But still, that's better for when you're trying to play like co-op campaign stuff, and don't have and it's only like local only for yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's also, good to see. Yeah. yeah, I think that's cool. I'm curious to see how it'll work. I'm all about the co-op, so um, mm-hmm. I'm uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's a- okay, I guess you can technically do up to four. Okay. Uh, but its controller is connected to the second player's computer will act as if they're directly plugged into the first computer. Okay. So you can have a weird networking thing going on. So that's weird, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm sure they'll, they'll sort those weird. Yeah. It's limited to 1080p, 60fps. Yeah. For the stream. streaming is fine. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. As if you're doing four players. I was going to say, I, I turned my nose up to 1080p. I don't know if I like this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Stadia's got you covered. Yeah, yeah but I'm not, I'm not baby. doing that shit. Fuck that. <laughs> I wonder... Fuck, okay. So what, what if I'm hosting it, though? Will I at least get... Can I still run it in like the highest resolution and the asshole I'm playing with gets stuck? Yeah, yeah, you get the uh, you get. Yeah, your I assume so. Yeah. All right, well, listen, guys. If we ever play anything on Steam together, <laughs> you guys are going to be the assholes. <laughs> You're going to turn all the text down to as small as possible? No, no, I won't yeah. do that shit to people, but... No, I, I mean, I, I've got a 21 by 9 monitor. Like, I'm not playing shit in 1080p if I don't have to. Yeah. It's nice. It's, I mean, Steam is doing some pretty interesting things lately, which is, uh, as far as the platform goes, is really nice. Uh, yeah. I, I just wish the store wasn't a complete clusterfuck. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's hard to fix. Yeah. <laughs> but they let the floodgates open and you can't, like, put the, ba- the, put the, the sandbags up. Yeah. Uh, fast enough for yeah. that. <laughs> that sucks. Uh, so uh, we got some Sony stories before we wrap up today, and uh, we'll start off with uh, PS4 firmware 7.0 released this week. Uh, adds uh, remote play support for Android devices, which is uh, something yeah. that a lot of people have actually been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now, let's see. Yeah, 10.0 is coming out pretty soon for Android. Mm-hmm. Uh That'll be where you get sort of native DualShock 4 support, just like uh, iOS has been doing. Yeah. Uh, So you can control it that way, uh, but the app works on Android 5.0 or higher. Uh, So you can do it that way with uh, touchscreen controls, or you can plug in a controller as you could before sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, good to see. The other thing, the major thing they had is they expanded – the party system up to 16 players max. Yeah. As well as some other improvements on the party stuff, but... Yeah, they also added the HDR calibration is in there now, so... Okay, can, that's cool. Uh, yeah, if you got a 4K TV with HDR, you can set that up at the system level now, so you don't have to yeah. worry about it. Hmm. 
I guess you can also set up a chat transcription feature yeah. using the second screen app on your phone. So that's pretty cool. Which would probably be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I know some games have that like in it. Like, hmm. uh, what is it? Apex Legends has that. Yeah. Giant Bomb uses it and they do fun stuff with uh, their chat whenever they do an Apex Legends stream. Yeah. Since they primarily play on PC and uh, that stuff is pretty weird. Hmm. But pretty cool. Yeah. Especially when I was trying to figure out people's weird usernames. Yeah. So we got yeah, you know, we got uh, from Wired they have a an interview with uh, Mark Cerny. And uh yeah, they were uh, talking about the PS five. I just want to say yeah. I think that interview is dumb. <laughs> because like the stuff that Cerny was saying was like a weight off of his shoulders. Well that's Jim Ryan. Or Jim, Jim Ryan, Ryan sorry. Yeah. yeah, the shit that Jim Ryan was saying as a weight off of his shoulders was dumb as fuck. Like when he was like, Yeah, so guys, it's called the PlayStation Five. Man, it feels great to be able to say that. It's like a weight lifted off my shoulders. Like, you motherfucker. If that's the shit if that's the shit that's keeping you up at night, like I'm gonna have to tell somebody that this is called the PlayStation Five and once I can unload this burden, everything will be fuck you. Oh my god. <laughs> Like that kind of shit, man. Like I don't even want to. I can't even fuck with y'all. Like I don't want to buy your shit. Fuck you. Like I just. Oh my! I can't even. I can't even express why that makes me so mad. Except it just makes him sound like a complete fucking douche. Like <laughs> such a weight off my shoulders, guys. Well, he he is a complete fucking douche. So. Well, yeah, absolutely, he's a complete fucking dude. But like, again, just fuck God. <laughs> Yep, like, this... again, I just this is just those things that it just brings me back to, like, arrogant Sony. Like, oh, everything's so bad right now. I can't, I'm going to have to tell somebody the name of this thing because the reporters keep asking me. I need corporate to tell me it's okay. Oh, they said it's okay. Oh, I feel free. <laughs> Fuck you. There were some Dude. interesting stuff in that interview, though, uh, yeah, as far as the technical they... stuff goes. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of where about... I stopped. There's probably other shit in there, but I was like, nope, yeah. I'm done. And they talk about ray tracing is uh is in the hardware, not yeah. software, as people have been thinking uh, it would be. So uh, that'll be good. Yeah, they're still working uh, with AMD on that. That's, that's yeah. not been finalized yet. Talked about the, the solid state drive and sort of how, like right now, games are made to kind of duplicate assets that are going to be used often uh, across all the disks in the hard drive uh, and sort of just having it all in one uh, solid state as it uh, would be uh, changes how games can be made essentially yeah. uh, making that data much more easily accessible and quicker to access uh, yeah. that kind of changes that a lot I have some questions about that because uh, I'm not sure what kind of interface they're using for that or you know how they're going to handle it because if they're going to run with like let's say a one terabyte model and you, you with the size of games these days, uh, you can yeah. fill that up pretty damn quick. Um, yeah, that's hopefully with the sort of duplication thing that gets uh, some games to slim down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Um, but they do confirm they're going to have 100 gig optical discs yeah. as well as the 4K Blu-ray player. Yeah, which uh, they didn't have. Included, so yeah. Welcome to the party. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Game installation is going to be a bit more modular this time around. So that you can have uh, it install like just the single player campaign or the multiplayer uh, stuff like that, and maybe when you're done with the campaign, you're gonna delete, be able to delete it, free up some space. So that kind of tells uh, tells me that 
Yeah, space constraints are gonna be a problem. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And hopefully, it's smart enough to be able. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again, Phil. Well, if you're if they're designing in on the architecture level, uh, the ability to actually like you know remove components of the game that yeah. you just to to free up on space, like you know these uh, like say let's just say Call of Duty for one, for instance, you finish the campaign and you're never going to touch it again. You could just remove it and free up well maybe 50 60 gigs and you can yeah. do something else you see how big the the new one is uh, it's 100 something 150 i think it is yeah that's the, the requirement for space which means it could still come under that but hmm. still that's ridiculous yeah. especially on pc where yeah ssds still aren't that huge on pc even <laughs> you yeah. might be able to get a couple terabytes but hmm. well the other uh, thing that's going to be weird about whatever they're launching is Every one of the consoles that came out this gen was woefully uh, short in storage. Yeah. And, of course, so they made it you could add your own storage. That's great. Um, but I just – if you're going to be having 150 gig fucking games, I mean, what what are we thinking this thing's even going to start with? I think a terabit's probably – Yeah, I think a terabyte baseline. is probably what the baseline – That's what the Pro and with. the Xbox One X come with. Yeah. Yeah. Despite them being regular hard drives still, but – Yeah, but yeah. that's something that I, I've been thinking a lot about. Like people are going to outgrow this yeah. immediately. And that's something else I've thought about because, you know, we've been talking about the switch to like all – like to digital and everything else like that. Uh, that's the other thing. If, if you know, you want people to really have that switch to digital, there's got to be more space. And again, it's been very helpful that – you can plug in almost anything. But you know what I did the other day that I that actually really frustrated me? I have a 250 gig SSD. It was my first SSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I replaced it with a terabyte SSD. So I, I don't have any more room in my uh, in my PC case. So I said, well, I'll use this for the PlayStation. It won't do a drive that small. No. It has to be. Uh, yeah. I think it's like that 300 is... and some gigs. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so like that's something else that I hope that they can address because, at you know, at this point I don't want to keep buying hard drives, yeah. um, and I want to be able to at least recycle the ones that I do have. And, and, and I mean, having a, having that limit on the PlayStation Four when it sounds like two hundred fifty gigs might take two games next gen, <laughs> yeah. like they 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 got to do something there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that's also contingent on just hardware manufacturers not being able to get the the storage up as much as. Yeah. It feels like we should for the way that media is expanding in size. Yeah, yeah. nobody nobody believes in, in shit like uh, compression or anything else like that. So, yeah, that yeah. too. So I hope like what comes with this is it's able to say like, oh, you're using English on your dashboard, so we'll download just the English uh, audio and subtitles and all that. Which is yeah, something I wonder, that I, I wonder if they'll set it up. on, but I don't think they ever completely follow yeah. through. Their thing well, wonder, is kind of muddled there. I wonder if they'll let you also pick and choose. Like, for instance, um, you know, one of the things that happens with, like, the Forza games hmm. is you can tell it to download just the high-res textures based on whatever kind of TV you have. I don't know if that makes – if that gets rid of the other textures that are installed, though. So I would hope yeah. that that's something that they could take a look at as well. Like, if, yeah. if, if they're really trying to make the game, uh, like, modular. It's what your resolution is, and it's like, okay, he just needs He only needs 1080p. textures. Yeah. I could see that also being something, because, I mean. That would also be contingent on, since it's on an SSD, it shouldn't necessarily need to swap between them like they would have to right. in the last couple gens. Hmm. Right. So that might be also contingent on just devs marking, like, this is a 1080p texture. This is for 4K, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, and 1080p textures obviously don't take up nearly as much as 4K, which is expected. But yeah. I mean, if I can save some gigs by not having those there, yeah, yeah. That, that also that that would be the kind of thing where modular. Uh, I think I think you could do the same thing with sound. You know, if you have. Yeah. Uh, depending on what's there, if, if you have somebody that has an Atmos setup, then you give them, you know, the lossless uh, uh, audio. But if somebody's just going to be playing with headphones and they're probably piece of shit headphones, and just let them download, you know, yeah. If I don't, different if I don't hear the difference between any of that stuff, just give me the fucking basic stereo. Yeah, give me, exactly. Give me the basic stereo, and then if you're playing through a uh, through a receiver, it can you know it can mix it itself or whatever. Which again, yeah, that's. It. You're you're really sort of eliminating redundancies, which would be neat. It would be really cool. Yeah. If, if that's what that. their whole premise on this SSD stuff is, that it's going to eliminate the need for redundancy data. Hmm. So hopefully with the modular installation stuff, uh, developers are able to do that properly because they kind of had yeah. that ability to do some of that stuff now. They just don't. Yeah. Like where games yeah, literally like started like, up. It's like, an all-in thing. Like a few gigs. And it's like, oh, here's – a logo. Okay, that's not useful. Thank you for putting that here. Yeah. Uh, some of that weird stuff, but yeah. Hopefully it kind of being uh, a native part of this helps get developers kind of rethinking how they're going to present their games and yeah. let you access the different kinds of content. You know what would be awesome is if you could choose to like not let it load up all those crazy-ass fucking intros yeah. for different <laughs> companies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we would have SSD, so hopefully it would just be like JPEGs that could just go through quickly. Because <laughs> uh, there's some games that let you do that, let's just like button through it pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it also depends on what developers give a damn about people yeah. skipping through that stuff. Cause... Hey, I have a I have a dirty secret to reveal. It's like uh, most often, more often than not, when you're seeing those logos, those are branding things and not anything that that's hiding load times. <laughs> Yeah, all paid. Yeah, or required that if you're going to use their tech, you have to put it in there. Yeah, yeah, and it has to be like a certain amount of time. Yeah, like how you use any open source software, you have to put that like Mm. disclaimer in the credits, that sort of stuff. Yeah, Uh, but yeah, they're going to have that going on. Uh, Let's see, the US the user interface is going to be a bit more interactive as far as telling you like where you're leaving off in games. Uh, like what single-player missions you have to do uh, next, uh, multiplayer stuff that is available to do, I assume events and all that kind of stuff, but which it kind of does now. It, it kind of, this is one feature that I was questioning and scratching my head about, uh, because usually when I leave off on a game, I kind of know where I was. Yeah. Maybe that's just me, uh, but, yeah. but sometimes there are those games that I disappear on for a year or two and it's like okay what what was i doing here yeah and sometimes the trophy or achievement list doesn't necessarily explain that as well yeah so uh, i guess if you're yeah that's like destiny when you come back every six months <laughs> six months like okay wait what was i doing hmm. uh okay these systems have completely changed uh damn it bungie don't explain any of your mechanics <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is like me uh so apparently they have a doom like finisher system hmm. uh which was a huge surprise because I kept seeing these white dots of uh, enemies' heads. I'm like, is that like some buff thing? Are they like angry now or more vulnerable to damage or something? Yeah, I found out listening to the giant bomb cast. Like, yeah. oh no, that's a new like finisher system. Yeah. Okay, that's weird. But yeah, like the dashboard kind of has some of that stuff now, where you can see that, uh, especially on PS4, you can go up to like the events section. Yeah, it's like here's like the the holiday events or whatever's going on. 
that sort of stuff. That is uh, pretty nice. Uh, it seems like it would make that easier to see. Uh, no, like if you're missing out on anything or uh, whatever else is going on, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not knocking it. It's just I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how it's going to work. It's just yeah. yeah it's one of those. Yeah, things that's kind guess, of a thing we need to actually see it. And yeah, use. We'll, I'll get it. I oh see yeah. It. yeah. It doesn't seem all that completely different from what it's doing now. Right. Uh, but let's see. They shut off the DualShock or the new controller. They're not calling it DualShock or DualShock Five or anything like that. But it's probably going to be DualShock. That's 5. That's a shame. I bet when they announce it, it's going to be called a DualShock Five. It'll be a weight off his shoulders too. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Cerny said uh, there are two big features they're adding, adaptive triggers, yeah. uh, which is sort of what Xbox has right now. Uh, it has some resistance and uh, to it, though. Like, yeah, but the resistance Xbox, on, the, on the Xbox is, like, fixed. Yeah. Uh, it's like rumble yeah. stuff. This, they're this saying they, like, can actually, they can actually vary the torque on the trigger. Yeah. Which would be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, that's like yeah that part actually does sound kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it also has a haptic uh, feedback yeah. in it instead of just those basic rumble motors. Yeah, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, let's see, it also has a better speaker, hmm. uh, which is good because I really like that in games. Yeah, there's some games that are weird about it, like okay, playing Symphony of the Nights Requiem. Yeah, that just rumbles all the time. <laughs> You land on the ground, rumble. You hmm. run around, it rumble. Uh, sound effects for everything. Like it's like you guys just don't know what to do with this. You guys are like ah, oh, these we can push these sound effects through this thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but other games like Resogun's great. Yeah. When you get the announcer like announcing you're starting the game, that sort of stuff. Hmm. Uh, when new events are happening, all that kind of stuff. That's pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, they also talk about there might be. Uh, a mic in it at some point uh, for voice chat for voice controls. So like what PS4 has now, but nobody used it because uh, nobody bothers plugging in a headset. Uh, yeah, it. Or they have a camera. That, well, the camera has a microphone. I guess you could use it that way. Yeah, but, hmm. yeah, you can do that. Uh, but sometimes games just don't have a a voice name. Yeah. For that, so like, or it's can be a little bit weird when I try to say. Pixel Junk Monsters 2, and it just falls off at some point. Forgets what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, it's 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 some nice more details there. That I I need to see what this is going to look like. Uh, the dev yeah. kit looks amazing. Uh, <laughs> we saw there. But, yeah. Yeah. Whether that's yeah, they talked about having some demos here for Gran Turismo Sport hmm. to show off like those uh, triggers. Yeah. And sort of how uh, they also showed. The same track on a PS4, hmm. and there's nothing. Because they kind of figured out that the rumble feedback, the way they wanted to do it, was kind of too tiring. Hmm. So they just didn't use it at all. Yeah. And talk about how they thought about adding it with the DualShock 4 for the uh, for the Pro, hmm. but because they didn't want to kind of split the experience like that. They just didn't bother. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Uh, see, small improvements like USB Type-C controller uh, connector for charging. Thank you. Uh, let's see, larger capacity battery and haptics motors. It needed that. Uh, makes it a bit heavier than the DualShock 4, but lighter than the Xbox One controller with batteries in it. That's fine. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, companies already have dev kits. Mm. Controller pro- uh, prototypes are rolling out now. Say anything about touchpad? Uh, well, they were using the DualShock 4 yeah. <laughs> uh, in this 
like a version of that upgraded for this. Hmm. So I assume it will if they're going to do BC. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, they talked to Marco Thresh, president of Bluepoint Games, who said they are working on a big game for PS5. Hmm. Uh, just said, I'll let you figure out the rest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see, they had somebody from, let's, well, he says the SSD has, has me really excited. Don't need to do gameplay hacks anymore to artificially slow down players. Lock them behind doors, anything like that. Back in the cartridge days, games used to load instantly. We're kind of going back to what consoles used to be. Hmm. So it's a pretty cool kind of here. Yeah. Uh, I have the chief studio officer, EA, basically saying, I could be really specific and talk about experimenting with ambient occlusion techniques, or the examination of retrace shadows, or generally we're see, seeing the GPU be able to power machine, machine learning for all sorts of really interesting advancements in the gameplay and other tools. Uh, we're stepping into the generation of immediacy. Hmm. In mobile games, we expect a game to download in moments, maybe just a few tabs from jumping right in, Now we're able to tackle that in a big way. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. I mean... One thing I was thinking of, though, is like if they're going to allow for expansion of the storage, uh, what is that going to even look like? Because if you've got such really fast storage on board and you yeah. allow people to plug in a USB hard drive, that's that's not that's not going to work. That's yeah. going to be slow as fuck. So. Yeah, it might have to just be uh, limiting it to SSDs. Yeah, uh, even SSDs. If, it's, uh, if they're SATA-based, that's still going to be too slow. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of imagining maybe like a panel that pops off on the back and said something and you can stick an NVMe stick in there. Yeah, maybe. Uh, probably. But yeah, I think they got a lot of good ideas for here for improvements to kind of what we have right now that is kind of pretty good. Yeah. It's... Ways to make it the, the process of playing games a lot more smooth. Yeah. Since kind of the big issue has been like gigantic updates, both at launch and after launch. Yeah. Uh, kind of the way that loading times have kind of just multiplied yeah. uh, on consoles uh, in ways that yeah, it's just kind of crazy, but manageable, like, it's fine where it is, but we yeah, can do better. seeing them talk about, especially with SSDs, because people on PC won't maybe not realize, like, they do this on consoles by default, mm. and it's going to make PC games even better than they are. Yeah. Because everybody's going to be working on how to optimize all that stuff. Mm. Uh, and without having to do all, all the tricks that the blue point guy talked mm. about, yeah, no more need for the for the walkie moments and gears, yeah, to make sure the the next area loads in right, yeah, or the big zoom in GTA Five, yeah, that's, that's just <laughs> that's just loading. God, if we could get past the point where it takes five minutes to load into GTA, yeah, that's why I can't really fuck with GTA Online, even though I love it. It's just like I need an hour. Set aside to play 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost 40 minutes. Or when you yeah. accidentally hit the go into online mode when you want to just play campaign or vice versa. Yeah. It's like, gosh, I got to let this load and then I got to go. Like motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll wrap up with our last story, and that's uh, Sony is dropping the Facebook integration from the PS4, which is an interesting yeah. decision. Not mad about it. Oh. Yeah. Basically, it seems to be an issue of just contract stuff uh, kind of ending. As they say here, uh, Facebook responding, we're working with Sony to finalize an updated contract designed to improve the Facebook integration on P uh, PlayStation. All these discussions are in progress. Facebook features will not be available on PS4. We'll have to bring these features back as soon as our teams reach agreement. And no. 
Given the perception of, perception of Facebook, I don't think too many people would be too you know unhappy if it just didn't come back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I I don't. I guess I might have used the the PS4 sharing a couple of times, but. Yeah. I know I used it for Xbox because that was like the only way you could get screenshots off of Xbox 360. Which is real annoying because I wanted didn't want to use my actual profile. Hmm. So I had to create a dummy profile that it posted that to, and I had to go and download it off of there. Yeah. Alrighty, so I guess we'll wrap up there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'd like to remind everybody that uh, if you haven't subscribed to the show, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, or your favorite podcast aggregator. Uh, you can also check us out at smashpad.com. Uh, a little light uh, lately, but uh, some more stuff's coming, so keep an eye out. Yeah. 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 Uh, so for uh, Brandon Perkins, Crystal G, and Lee Lamb, I have been Filippo Donolfo, and we'll see you next week.